Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today's guest needs very little introduction, as I am thrilled to be joined by none other than GB sprinter Adam Jamili. Adam started his athletics journey as a teenager, competing at multiple international events around the world. Though also a talented football player, in 2012, Adam decided to focus on athletics full time. Before even reaching his 20s, Adam had broken multiple records, including the British National Junior record and, after running the second fastest 100 metre ever by a British junior at the British Track Trials, Adam was selected for the London 2012 Olympic Games at just 18 years old. Thrilled, honoured and slightly shocked at the selection choice, that year Adam competed at the World Juniors and the Olympics, where he reached the 100 metre semi-final. Now backed by considerable reputation, Adam entered his 20s determined to become one of the fastest men in the world. He competed rigorously year in and year out from the World Athletic Championships in 2014, the Commonwealth the following year, and at 21 he broke the 10 second barrier in the 100 metres for the first time in his career. However, as he crossed the line, Adam fell and as a result developed a nasty hamstring injury. The following year he came back with a vengeance to Rio 2016. Despite running a fantastic race in the 200 metres, Adam missed out on a medal position by a minuscule six thousandth of a second. Since then, Adam has gone on to win multiple medals at different events around the world, including gold and silver in two separate 4x100 metre relay events. He is now back in training for Tokyo 2021 and has recently been announced as a board member of the Track and Field Athletes Union. Now approaching the tail end of his 20s, the sky really is the limit for what Adam can achieve. Though many of us might not be able to relate to his journey so far, his career is evidence that setbacks only make you stronger. In his words, if you're going to think big, think the biggest. Adam, welcome to 20 Not Something. Great. Thanks for having me. Jeez, quite the introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> Felt like I was tripping over my words. No, nah, no, nah, you're all good, man. so much. <laughs> no, nah, it was good. Thank you very much. Very, very uh, humbled and great you've asked me to be here. So uh, nah, glad, to, glad to chat to you. Oh. Thank you. I'm going to kick things off by asking you the same question I ask everyone. And it might seem like an obvious question for you, but looking into your 20s, what was the one thing that you wanted the most? Oh, I just wanted to be a good person, really. That's the oh. most important thing. I just wanted to be a good, a good, nice person, like a decent human being. Obviously, I have my own goals personally in terms of what I want to do in my sport and what, what I want to do sort of away from the track and looking after my family. But First and foremost, just be a decent human being, really. Um, and uh, hopefully on the way to to doing that, hopefully my friends and people that know me might tell you that. But uh, yeah, mm. I feel uh, that is the most important thing, really. Oh, that's so lovely. I don't think I've ever had that answer on here before. <laughs> what, what do you normally get? Well, well you know, get. like money or um, acceptance or to not be worried, you know, that's. Sort of, I think that's a really lovely answer. I'm thrilled with oh, that. Oh, <laughs> great. Um, and you've said in interviews before that, you know, football was sort of your first love and that you never really anticipated competing in athletics before. Um, so what sort of prompted that? I'd always um, run in school. I'd always done running um, and enjoyed it and always been noticeably the, one of the fastest people 
competing. Um, and yeah, just I was playing football. I was at Dagenham and Redbridge at the time. Um, I got offered a pro sort of contract, but the contract wasn't sort of enough for me to completely sort of give up on running and opportunity to go to university. So I sat down with my family and were like, they were like, why don't you try training? Like you've clearly got some potential. Um, and yeah, that was in the January of 2012. And then that sort of year I went on to win the world junior championships and make the Olympic team. And, and then once you do that, it's pretty hard to then walk away from, uh, walk away <laughs> from the sport and go back to football. But if the, if that year went really badly, I was planning to literally go back and play football. Um, mm. so I'm really lucky I picked it up really quickly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you were you were so so young then, eighteen to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I was the youngest on the athletics team. I was the youngest one there. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, it's crazy. It was it was a crazy crazy experience. What was that feeling though? You know, getting there because I could imagine the pressure was just. Or, or was there any pressure? Because I guess you didn't really have any nope. Nope, boots nope. to fill. You just had to go and do your thing. I didn't realize the scale of the Olympics till probably afterwards. And it's I sat back and I realized what I'd done. Making a home Olympics is um pretty uh pretty difficult to do or well, making any olympics is pretty difficult to do but making a home olympics especially that's um what only comes around once in a lifetime if you're lucky mm. so um yeah I, I had no pressures i didn't really understand i just looked at it as another sort of opportunity to compete and then like i said realizing the platform that i had competed on um and it really sort of propelled me and a few other athletes young athletes into sort of like I say the limelight of track and field is not very limelight-esque, but um, <laughs> just can develop a good name for yourself and, uh, yeah, just take it from there, really. But, yeah, I had no pressures at all. I was watching Jess Ennis compete, Greg Rutherford compete. He was he, We shared an apartment together, Greg Rutherford, and then he went to win Olympic gold. Getting wow. to meet, like, getting to meet all the guys from different sports as well was just, was phenomenal. It was one of the, one of the um, yeah, the best times of my life, really. No stresses. Mm. You wake up, you're in the middle of London, you can get home in 20 minutes and then, uh, yeah, go run at mm. the Olympic Games. And then literally, I remember my dad picked me up from the village, took me 20 minutes. I was sitting at home and I was thinking, geez, I've just been to the Olympics. That was it. Been done. That is so mad. So, yeah, it was so weird. I was sitting at home on, the, on my sofa. Mum came in, she was like, do you want a tea? I was like, what is happening? It's, it, was <laughs> a, it was a bit of a, it was a crazy situation, but it was, uh, yeah, fantastic. I remember, you know, going to those Olympics and it was incredible. Like even, I wasn't even competing and just being being there. Oh, the vibe of it all was see? amazing. Yeah, I saw um I actually went to the athletics. I saw oh, really? the uh women's eight hundred meters. Oh wow. Um, which I was like so excited because that was my race at school. Not that mm-hmm. I was any good at it, but <laughs> um and the hockey. I just love it. It was amazing. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Oh, that's wicked. So after London 2012, obviously set your wheels in motion. Um, talk me through the next couple of years there and and how did you balance this sort of new, really intense, I can imagine, training schedule with, you know, your normal life as well? Yeah, life after the Olympics in 2012 and moving on from that was was definitely strange. I started university literally that, um, that September, October. So it was like, Going into that first day, I was there walking around, and people were like, "Oh my god, you're you're the athlete who just ran at the Olympics." And I was like, just trying to be low key and just tell, like, let people know, "Listen, I'm just a normal guy. I'm going to study. Like, I'm just living down the road. Like, it's it was nothing special, but it was um, yeah, it was certainly crazy. Just sort of a lot of this sort of newfound, I say, sort of fame, um, mm. and just sort of attention. People watching everything you're doing. Like, it was the, the weirdest one for me was when I, whenever I went shopping. And 
you walk down any aisle with bad food and people are like, oh, should you be down this? <laughs> and at first I was like proper defensive. I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's mind your business. Like, but then you realize people, it's, it's just quite funny really. But mm. yeah, it was cool. And then just sort of the next few years in track and field, just I've been quite fortunate and every sort of championships I've, I've been to, um, I've made the final and I've been pushing, I've been challenging for medals. So it's, um, it's been cool. It's been really cool. I made a world championships the next year. I ran sub 20 seconds, um, which was for, for the first time a Brit's done that in a long time. I think it was the second Brit mm. to do it. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I became European champion the year after that. So I've been pretty lucky. And then balancing that with my studies, um, I started training in Loughborough and I was at university in London. So traveling up the M1 every day, like, it was just a lot of travel, a lot of commitment, um, a lot of sacrifice, really. But um, it's what I want to do and who I want to be. So, uh, yeah, you just got to get your head down and crack on with it. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, I guess, because this podcast is about, you know, 20 not somethings, people who aren't really sure of what they're doing or where they're going. And I'm curious if you ever had any doubt in your mind at the beginning of your career, whether this was the right thing? Like, was there yeah, ever you any... Do. You will always do that. I think... you. In any anything you do, like I always, I remember sitting down in 2012, and before I'd run fast, before I'd gone to the Olympics, and I sat down with my mum and dad, and I was training every day. And the thing with track and field is you do so much training, and there's not that much time to compete. So you do training. We start training from probably September, October, and you go all the way through to August, September. So you train for like 11 months of the year, and you only compete for about three of those three three of those months. So it's pretty quick. Um, so I just I sat down. I was like. I don't know if, know if this, uh, this is what I want to do. I don't know if this is really worth my time. I don't know if mm. I can, this is what I want to do in life. My mum and dad were just like, if you're not happy in w- with what you're doing, then um, yeah, don't do it. So uh, mm. for me, it was just like, I was enjoying what I was doing and uh, yeah, I was committed to my sport. And and But there was definitely times where I was thinking, is this really what I want to do? I don't really know what I'm doing in life. But for me, I've, I've, I've got a great family and support system around me. Um, so uh yeah it's it's i've been always able to rely on my family and those guys to to sort of guide me when i maybe don't have the answers Mm. and it is such a huge huge um responsibility i guess when you go into an industry like this yeah because sport in general it's so there's there's a lot of pressure and it's quite difficult to I can imagine deal with those sorts of feelings and so to actually decide right now I'm going to put my all into this yeah. it's a huge decision oh massive decision and there's no guarantees that's the thing in our sport as well any sport really you can do all the work and there's no guarantees it's actually going to happen for you there's no guarantees mm. you're going to run fast there's not you can get injured I've, I've had plenty of injuries like you said in the in the little in, intro um like there's never any guarantees, but that's why it, it is so amazing to do what we do because you're always on that fine life of a uh, fine line of being at the top of the game and, and balancing that with injuries as well. So it's like it's, mm. it's brilliant. It's, it's so fantastic and exciting, and track and field is just brilliant. Like it's it's sport in its purest form. Get from A mm. to B as quickly as you can. Who's the fastest? <laughs> who can jump the highest? Who can throw the furthest? Like it's yeah, I, I, that's why it's so exciting and, and I love it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've won, you know, European gold and Commonwealth silver um, and you've had so many, you know, huge highs in your career so mm-hmm. far. What what do you think is, in your mind, um, your like greatest sporting achievement? I think anything to do with the world championship. So becoming the world junior champion was, was probably up there. Um, 
that was the, the first time I've won sort of a, it was only a junior medal, but a global junior medal, um, sort of first year in the sport. Becoming sort of probably a relay world champion. We did that in London 2017. We, we, we beat the Jamaicans and the Americans and yeah, and we, we uh, broke the European record um, and to celebrate that and, and my family was there. My friends were in the stadium because it was in London and to do that in front of a home crowd. Yeah, mm. that feeling was 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 unreal. Like si- yeah. winning silvers and, and bronzes is great, but to become a world champion, to win the gold, it's like standing on top of that podium and listening to the national anthem. Mm. yeah unbelievable feeling yeah I can't even imagine and I think also you know being in sports from a young age I think you learn a lot about how to overcome obstacles and like deal with setbacks in a way which actually I don't think many people have had first-hand experience of you know absolutely if you lose you have to get back up you could there is no wallowing around in self-pity um how how do you how do you come back from defeat yeah, it's it's tough, but and defeat is part of learning. You, no one who ever achieved anything in life didn't didn't have any of those losses first. And it's you, it's great when you win, win, win. But you really do your most learning when you lose, and when you get defeated, and it's how you bounce back from that and and take it forward and and really push on and and decide what to do differently. And I've 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 had some really tough defeats. Um, yeah, uh, in Rio, like you did say, I, I missed out on an Olympic medal by three thousandths of a second. People can't really comp- comprehend how much three thousandths of a second in it, three thousandths of a second is. It's it's nothing. It's like. But I, I remember watching that yeah. race, and I was literally like, "They are tied. Like there is no yeah. way that that's even." Yeah. yeah. And there's ways, but then you have to just get over it. Like sport, as part of like, there's no guarantees in sport, mm. so you have to just yeah get your head down and, and crack on. And uh, um, for me, I just use it as motivation every day when I'm feeling tired, when I'm feeling sort of like my body, I can't push anymore. I find that extra gear because I remember that feeling and I don't want to feel it again. Mm. And like I said, I, I learned so much more about myself and having confidence. And it doesn't matter if someone's from America or Jamaica or whatever country, it doesn't matter if they've run really fast going into a race on the day. It's every man for himself, everyone's even. And yeah, I'm just a little boy from Dartford, but yeah, <laughs> I don't care where you're from. You could be, be like, you could be from anywhere. I'll give you a good run for your money. Yeah. So um, for me, that's, uh, yeah, you, you learn so much. I think that's where you do all your learning is from those losses and hardships and defeats. Mm. How did Rio differ to London? I mean, obviously you had so much more experience, years more. Um, mm. But what was that feeling like when you were going into Rio? Yeah, two different feelings, really. London 2012, I was going in as the youngest on the athletics team. I had no real experience in the sport. Didn't know what I was doing. I was just there to have a sort of like get some good experience, race against the world's best, have a good time, but I had no pressures or expectations. In 2016, I was made the athletics captain. So I was sort of leading the team, I guess, going into, uh, into the sport and I was pushing for medals. You sacrifice mm-hmm. so much um, and you sort of, like I said, you, you're away from your family, you're away from your friends. You, you, you don't get to spend that much time at home. Um, you miss so much sort of events and and anything less than a medal was, was failure um, mm. for me. Um, so I was going in completely expecting to win a medal and to come so close and, and not do it was, was like I said, heartbreaking. But yeah, mm. I felt a lot more experienced. I felt like one of the oldest members of the team. I was only sort of 22, 23 at the time at the Olympics, but I felt like I'd been on every sort of team from 2012 to 2016. And I had so much experience to sort of share and give to the younger people. And uh, I guess that's why I got made athletics captain. and. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I was I was pushing for medals and and going into Tokyo next year, it would be exactly the same sort of feeling. Mm. Yeah, I'm so gutted for you guys. Obviously, this year the, the postponed, but is that is that going well still? Like, is the training yeah, we, is we back get, up and running? Yeah, we're back into training now. It was a bit hard last year when obviously things went into lockdown and you're in good shape and you're expecting the Olympics to happen. And what was pretty difficult was that we didn't really get told anything. They were like, oh, oh the Olympics is still going ahead, and then but we're not having any ways to train. They're like, there was no tracks open, there was no gyms open. It was literally like doing stuff at home. And it was getting like quite close to the Olympics. Like it was getting a few months out of it and we hadn't heard anything. And then, and then all of a sudden, then they said, oh, right, we're definitely postponing it. Um, and then you're like, okay, fine. You can just mm. breathe a sigh of relief because, yeah, if, if they didn't postpone it, it, the quality of the Olympic Games would have been pretty, pretty low because <laughs> no one could have trained. So, uh, mm, yeah. For sure. You spoke a little bit briefly back then about sacrifice. Um Obviously, you know, we've already said that it is a massive commitment um, mm-hmm. being um, in, in track and field. Do you socialize a lot when you're on the down seasons? Like, how do you keep that up with your friends and, and yeah, that sort of part of your life? It's hard. I've got a great support system around me, my friends and my family. They understand what I do. They understand the sacrifices that I need to make. Um, I still chat to my friends pr- mostly pretty much every day we, on PlayStation or when, we, when we're gaming or when we're just chilling. And in my off season when I'm home, yeah, I try and see my spend as much time with my family and my friends as I can. Um, mm. But my job is hard. Like, I've, I've moved myself all over the country. I've moved to the Netherlands. I'm, I'm now mostly based out of America, if I can get back there, COVID-19 allowing. Um <laughs> And things have suffered. I've had relationships that have ended because of that. Like I've, I've had to sort of lose some friends who um, I can't really keep in contact with that much anymore. And, and you have mm. to be quite selfish. But track is such a short sport. It's such a short career. I'm 27 mm. now. I was 18 at the Olympics. Like my career is getting on. I, I don't know how many more years I'm, I'm going to be able to go. And I have to just give it my all while I can. And I can, mm. I can do all that socializing. I can do all of that normal stuff after my career but while I'm able Mm. to do it while my body allows me to do it I need to give it my all so that's how I see it and uh, the people around me understand that Mm. it's interesting I think we could all do well to live by that lesson a little bit better you know if you want to do something go and do it now because as you said sport there is a time limit and you have to there isn't really an option to be like oh I'll just I'll go on a a year away and yeah you can't you know like that is that is the decision that you've made um what are you thinking about retirement I mean does that even cross your mind do you even think right now no I've definitely got plans for after the sport I definitely would like to work in the governance of sport and uh, help run the sport and make it a better place for, for young athletes coming into it. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm just focused on trying to win medals. But yeah, definitely mm-hmm. got plans and things in the pipeline for, for when I do finish. Um, hopefully I can go on for as long as possible or until my body allows me to. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I think sport in general needs a big revamp and a big change and especially track and field. It's not the most popular sport. Like it's it's great and people watch it when it's on, but Apart from that, yeah, there's not too much engagement in it. So there definitely needs to be big changes in the way it's run. And I believe that's something I could definitely go into post-career and, uh, yeah, try and um, try and help. Because mm, you coach a bit at the moment, don't you? As yeah, well? I do. I do. I volunteer coach um, just at a local track. Well, I've been home since about July. So I do, like, I coach the little sprints group there. We've got um, twice a week when the fantastic athletes ranging from all ages, from like nine, 10, all the way up to like, we've got some 
some full grown 40, 50 year olds training with me as well. So, uh, wow. yeah, that's, uh, I enjoy that. I love giving back to the sport and, uh, I think that's a good sort of a quality I'm always been quite proud of, but then also it's quite, it can be a negative thing as well when you try and help as many people as you can. And in sport, I guess sometimes you have to be a bit selfish. And and for me, I just try and I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone around me to be happy. And uh, yeah, that's not always a positive thing, I guess, but yeah, I try and give back as much as I can. Mm. What would you say to, if, you know, if you had a young kid come up to you and was like I want to be a sprinter what would be like the one piece of advice you'd give them enjoy the sport enjoy what you're doing and have patience Mm. like patience is the biggest thing in sport and you might not be the fastest now or you might be the fastest now everyone develops in their own time everyone runs really fast like as long as you train and you put the effort into it you'll get the results that you deserve you might not become Olympic champion but you will run the best that you can and produce the best performance that you can. And that's all you can really ask for. Like um, just have patience and keep enjoying the sport. Be a nice person, set set an example. It doesn't matter if you're a young kid, there's always people younger than you looking up to you and looking what you're doing. So you always have to be a role model. You always have to be a leader and you have to, like I said, set that good example for for young people coming into the sport. So um, yeah, if there's a young athlete, then I try and tell that to the young athletes, you guys have to, be the role models you guys have to mm. set the example have patience and you'll get the results that you you're just just deserved mm. because it is such a respectful sport in terms of like you know when a race finishes you all know each other you've probably yeah, known exactly. each other for years and it's and it's about graciously losing and it all just comes back to that you know idea of yeah on the, yeah you, you race the same people and at the top end especially you're, you're you go from place to place you race the same sorts of people everyone knows each other off the track race day and in those 10 and 20 seconds when you're racing them you want to rip everyone's head off you want to you want to win you've got no <laughs> friends but after that yeah be respectful if you if you be gracious in defeat be like sort of magnanimous in, in victory just be like just be nice and chill. Be a good person, and yeah, don't be a dick. Really, it's in the quite. In the, sorry, I don't know if I can say it, but in the most basic way, just don't be a dick. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Cool. Thanks, Adam. We're going to go no, into no play problem. Millennial Minesweeper now. Oh, brilliant! Okay. Um, so, just a quick recap. I'm just going to read you out a few quotes and. Okay. Um, we're just going to talk about them and you see whether you agree with them or not. Um, so the first one is all of the money you make can't buy back the freedom, friendships or spontaneity you gave up to earn it. Wow. That is a, that is a good one to start with. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I I agree with that. I can't, you, you can't buy back that type of stuff, but hopefully you're in a place, you've put yourself in a place enough where that stuff isn't, that important to, to what mm. you're doing in your life but um yeah no I, I think that is true I guess but hopefully you put yourself in a position where other stuff is more important than that so yeah got me thinking about just like sacrifice in general and how yeah. you know what we were talking about earlier but um I think now at the moment a lot of 20 somethings are really focusing on working really hard and earning loads of money and maybe forgetting about the other things, but then it's hard yeah. to strike that balance. I don't. Yeah, you have to strike a balance. You have to. You have to live your life as well. You can't just be a workhorse. Like it's important to live, live your life and enjoy the moments and enjoy memories. And um, yeah, like you have to find that balance. But I guess it's very personal to everyone and, and what their goals are. So mm, yeah, <laughs> cool. So our second one is 
For 20-somethings, Netflix and chill is the new wine and dime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, actually. Yeah, to be fair. I'm quite old-fashioned anyway. Like, if I'm, if I'm, I'm, <laughs> going to watch Netflix, I want to watch what's on the... I actually want to pay attention and watch what's going on. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I like. I do like going out. Like, I do like having a, taking someone out or going out myself and uh, getting wined or dined or whining and dining someone. But... Um, yeah, I guess so. You're right. For, yeah, for 20 something, so it's, it's probably the new wine and dine. <laughs> I just find it funny because if I went on a date with someone and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll just Netflix and chill, I would literally not go. I'm so. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, like yeah. there's a time and a place, isn't it? Like, yeah, I, unless you've, you know the person, don't, that wouldn't be the first place. I'll just come around and we'll put some Netflix on and see what happens. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think you're going to get many partners doing that, especially no. not serious ones. Yeah, maybe a bit later down the line, but probably not for a first date. Yeah. Um, and then our final one is the road to success and the road to failure are almost exactly the same. Yes, I agree. I agree. And it's literally, literally, they're the same road. Um, yeah. And they fork at the end, depending on certain decisions that you do make in your life. But yeah, it, it, it's all pretty much the same journey. Um, yeah, Which is mad as you think about it, isn't it? Because I think, you know, at school we're taught, you know, failure is sort of, well, it's subsections, isn't it? You either mm. you either pass or you fail and that yeah. they feel like, like polar opposites. So when I read that and I was like, oh God, yeah, they are like literally uh, the old metaphor you just used of the road with the fork at the end. It's so true. Yeah. And yeah, it's all the same. It's, it's, it's more about the journey, to be honest with you. It's more about the road. It's not about the outcome, not always about the outcome. Obviously, you want to be successful, but more more often than not, it's about that journey and that road that you do take and, and how you live that and enjoy that. So I'd probably focus more on that than, than the outcome that would happen. So, um, yeah. Mm, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so no, much. My pleasure. No, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Sorry, got a bit, got a bit deep at the end there, but uh, no. yeah, no, um, yeah, all good, all good. No, my pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks and for having best me. Best of luck. No, you're welcome, and best of luck. You know, with 2021 and everything, I wish you all the very, very best. Thank you so um, much. It will be a long time coming, and I'm sure it's going to be really incredible to watch. So exciting. Brilliant. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of season two. Thank you all so much for your kind comments of this series. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did. Thankfully, you won't have to wait too long for some more episodes as I'm planning to release a little bonus series early in the new year. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Indulge, relax, reflect. And also one thing I wanted to add before I clock off and go into full festive mode is that... I think this time of year, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be better and start again or recreate improved versions of ourselves with the the New Year's resolutions and the diets and the juice cleanses. But I think if 2020 has taught us anything, it's to be truly grateful for what we already have um, and that you just can't plan for anything. Um, things will come along and disrupt your flow and make you feel like it's all going to shit. Um, but that is OK. So let's go into 2021, hopeful, happy, and with the knowledge that the long, bumpy, windy roads are far more liberating than the straightforward, narrow and boring ones. Have a lovely Christmas and New Year, and I will see you very soon. <laughs>